If you had to pick one animal to represent your brand, which one would you choose? An eagle soaring high? A lion? The king of beasts? Well, today's guest chose neither. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 73, as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by Susan Shelby, and we discuss why acting like a rhino can help advance your career. We talk about public relations, crisis communications, and why they need to be part of your crisis management toolkit. Susan and I talk about how pre-drafted communication templates are a lot like the game Mad Libs and how they'll make your life easier during a crisis. The Resilient Journey is now ad-free, so be sure to give some love to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring this podcast. Susan, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you for doing it. Let's get started by you telling us about your background, because I'm not sure that too many people in my network are going to be familiar with you. And uh, I've been asking people here lately to tell us something that people might not otherwise know about you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So I graduated with a degree in international relations from the uh, American University in Washington, D.C. And then I went to Belgium and did a year graduate study at the University of Brussels studying the European Union. Um, I stayed for a couple of years to work um, and then I moved to Southern California. I joke that I had to dry out because it rains 280 days a year in Belgium and it's sunny 280 days a year in Southern California. So nice, nice. There you go. I was balancing it out. Uh, And I moved to Boston 30 years ago. That's where I currently live. And I've been doing um, public relations PR for over 27 years. And I started my own company. It's called Rhino PR. And uh, we specialize in working with architects, engineers, and construction companies also called AEC. So we work pretty much with anyone who is touching a building. And then um, related to resiliency, in January of 2020, I started an online program through Boston University. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a graduate certificate in enterprise risk management. And when I finished that degree, um, I um, sat and passed the exam through DRI. So I am an associate business continuity professional through DRI. And one of the services that I offer through my company is crisis communications, um, planning, management, etc. Which is really important in what we do and what most people associated with the podcast uh, will be you know, very familiar with uh, crisis communications. Now, you told me something recently that I that would qualify for the something I didn't know about you. And uh, I think you said you stayed and worked for a couple of years in Be- in Belgium. Yep. And uh, everything that you were doing over there was fully immersed in French, right? Correct. So you, yep. you know, you you parlez-vous the français? Oui, je parle français. <laughs> <laughs> and and I do not. Um, I love the name of your company, Rhino PR, thick skin, public relations. I, I love that. Talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that name. Because I think it's something that we could all benefit from an attitude that you displayed there. So uh, when I was living in Southern California, I was there for about 18 months in San Diego and Los Angeles. Um, I sold life insurance door to door. 
So you have to have a very positive attitude to start knocking on doors of complete strangers trying to sell them something um, as boring as life insurance. So I read a lot of motivational books. I listened to motivational speakers. And one of the books that I read was called Rhinoceros Success. Hmm. And it talked about how rhinos have two inch thick skin, so nothing bothers them. And um, when I was selling life insurance, I had plenty of doors slammed in my face. And in public relations, I am constantly pitching the press stories, story ideas about my clients. And so I've been hung up on, I've been rejected, I've my emails are not even responded to. So it just seemed fitting when I started my PR company to use a rhino. Um, and ry- a rhino is in our logo. And um, our tagline is take charge of your PR. Because when a rhino starts charging, they can run up to something like 30 miles an hour. And when they start charging, you better get out of their way because they've got those two big horns and you are in big trouble. Yeah, so. no, I, I really like that. And, you know, a, a lot of times in our work, we we talk a lot about branding, branding ourselves and branding our programs. And sometimes in order to do that, in order to advance that program, you do have to make certain pitches to management. It could be you want to go to a conference or maybe you want to buy some software or you want to develop a tool or whatever it is. And you have to have that thick skin. And I hadn't prepared you for this question, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. Is developing you know, a thicker skin, is that possible or is it just sort of made up of this you know this is how i am and i'm a sensitive person and you know i'm never going to have thick skin what what are your thoughts about that i think you can develop it because i think it's a matter of mindset and practice so i'll give you an example of that when i started off selling life insurance um the thought of going up into a, just finding an apartment building and knocking on doors um and having the door slammed in my face terrified me And one of the motivational speakers that I was listening to at the time, um, I learned that it can take 10 no's to get to a yes. So I changed my mindset. And every time someone slammed the door in my face, I said, thank you, because they didn't waste my time. Right. That was another no. So I was closer to my yes. Whereas if I had sat with them for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and walked out the door with nothing, that meant I had to start all over again the next day to try to meet my numbers for the week. So they actually did me a favor by just saying, nope, not interested. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. All right. So we're going to talk in this episode about crisis communications, but I want to start with, I think the, the core of your business is around public relations. So let's start there. Talk to me about the difference between public relations and crisis communications. So in my opinion, public relations is proactively um, putting out news about your company. So I work with architects, engineers, and construction companies. So we do um, a lot of promoting of stories about projects, project milestones, about the people that work at those companies, their expertise, what are the trends in the industry. You know, right now, especially here in Boston, there's a big trend of converting offices to labs because the offices are empty, but we need labs. Um, So it's positive news going out. It's 
establishing your company's reputation. It's communicating to a larger audience what it is that you do, why they should hire you, how you're different from your competitors. So it's very proactive and positive. And a lot of times it focuses on thought leadership. Crisis communications, which I believe goes hand in hand with public relations, because as we're going to talk about, a lot of times people don't plan ahead and a crisis happens and then they're scrambling to figure out how to handle it, what to do, what to say, et cetera. So I also like to advise my clients to be proactive about their crisis communications so that we kind of role play. We have a plan in place. We know who is going to do what. We know what's how to manage that situation. It's kind of like fire drills. You know, when when you're at a school or even in your home, you're supposed to have these regular fire drills so everyone knows what to do when that alarm goes off and people aren't panicking. It's the same thing for crisis communications from a corporate standpoint. So if an organization waits until they're in the middle of a crisis to start thinking about their strategy. That's way too late. They're already behind. So talk about that crisis comms planning and what you recommend to your clients. So the number one thing I recommend is that there needs to be a discussion about who is going to be a part of what we call the crisis response team. So these are the people and this depending on your company. Um, so I'm going to be very general here. Um, so it's going to include someone from senior management, um, usually the president or CEO, but you also want to make sure that there are other members of senior management because the president and CEO is probably on the front lines dealing with the crisis. Um, your risk manager, your HR, legal, whether it's in-house or outside counsel, um, your director of marketing, um, I work with construction companies. They all have a director of safety. So the director of safety. So it is the, the key personnel within your firm that you need around that table or on the Zoom when you are dealing with a crisis. And so everybody has a role mm -hmm. and everybody gets assigned that role in advance so they know what to do. And then it's communicated within that team as well as within the company if there is a crisis this is who you contact. And there's one point person. And some companies actually have um, a generic email that is maybe crt at companyname.com. Um, one person is the point person. So that person, you provide their cell phone number. Um, and if they go on vacation or go away, there's a backup person. So that no matter what happens, everyone within the company knows this is the person to contact in the event of an emergency. A lot of times that person would be the, whoever's in charge of media relations or something like that, but not necessarily the spokesperson. You're you're going to you're going to buffer that spokesperson from just open public inquiries, right? Correct. So the um, the communications person, and a lot of times what happens is when there is a crisis that happens, you want to make sure that there and this is we're going to talk a little bit about holding statements and it's also this also goes into the standard operating procedure is that that there needs to be a communication to all employees that there is a situation and that all inquiries from the press or anyone need to go to the communications point person and that person needs to keep track of every incoming inquiry whether it be through social media, email, phone, whatever, so that you're making sure you're tracking 
which members of the press are contacting your company and you're making sure my personal philosophy is that you respond to every single press inquiry. And usually what I recommend is that you're responding to them with a written statement because that statement can then be can be vetted in advance by your CRT and your legal counsel to make sure you're not opening yourself up to any liability. And then that is communicated to every member of the press that contacts you. If you decide to have a land, depending on the severity, you could have a landing page on your website that gives updates on the crisis. Those statements get posted there. You want to make sure that you're communicating those to your employees. And you're also communicating to your employees that no one outside of the official spokesperson is allowed to talk to the press. Boy, there's so much in what you said there. I could go off on you know, 15 different tangents, but I want to go here. Um, I love the idea of having it in writing when you reply back to the media in writing. Do you find that it is harder to be misquoted if a statement is provided in writing? Yes. And it's also easier because people like myself who have been dealing with the press for a long time, Um, I'm more comfortable being on the phone and fielding the questions, whereas somebody who this might be their first crisis, they're under a lot of stress, they're trying to process a lot of information. And while in their best, you know, they want to do their best, they want to answer the questions, but they're under an extreme amount of stress. And so they could say things that maybe they shouldn't say. Um, And so it's just to be safe for the company. But I do firmly believe that you have to respond to the press. You can't say no comment. You can't ignore them. And, you know, sometimes people get very defensive. They are just doing their job. And so making sure that you have a statement that can be quickly disseminated to the press allows them to get the information they need and allows them to move on and file their story. And then they might follow up with more questions. And again, you just you just respond to those questions. I really like that because, as you said, uh, a statement in writing gives you the opportunity to get it vetted by the crisis response team and by legal, where a phone call, a verbal conversation, obviously, that could just be off the cuff and it could lead to some problems down the road. I'm sure you you know, you know, have folders full of mistakes made by companies where somebody said something stupid to the press. Well, and one thing that I would emphasize here, because I actually was just recently dealing with a construction fatality, and um, um, every you see on TV all the time, the, the, the reporter says, oh, off the record, just nothing is off the record. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a conversation with a really good investigative reporter, they're going to try to get you to, to, to they're going to say, OK, this is just off the record, or, or you're thinking this is off the record. We're just we're friendly and we're just having a chit chat here. Nothing is off the record. And it is the same thing with any communication that gets sent out to your employees, partners, vendors, et cetera. Everything should be vetted by the CRT in your legal department because anything that you put out there could make its way to the press. All things being equal, who do you recommend to your clients should be the company spokesperson? Do you go to the CEO or do you start maybe a little bit lower than the CEO and then leave them in the bullpen in case you have to go get them later. What's your philosophy on that? The press would prefer to hear hear from the head honcho. So they would prefer to hear from the president or the CEO. Okay. Obviously, if um, nowadays you, you can't go anywhere that you're not connected, but obviously if the president or CEO is somewhere where 
he or she is not available, then somebody else needs to be ready to step in. And so the one thing about it is that when you are training and you also should make sure that any of your spokespeople are properly trained, go through media training, bring in a media coach, put them through their paces and have a backup spokesperson to be safe. Because for example, if it's an issue involving an employee, maybe it's someone from HR who is going to step in and speak. If it is um, about a project where there was a safety incident, it might be the director of safety, but normally it should be the president or CEO of the company. So we've talked a little bit about crisis response teams and things like that. One of the tools that that team is going to use is a crisis communication plan. What does that typically look like? So a crisis communications plan is basically your instruction manual about what everyone is going to do in the event of an emergency. And one thing I should also mention is that I always recommend that clients stop and think about what sort of outside help they might need in the case of a crisis and get those people on board in advance. So for example, I do um, crisis communications. I have clients that I work with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, they're on retainer. And so they know they can come to me. But if you if you have a crisis and you're dialing around trying to find a, a crisis communications firm, you're wasting time. So it's better when you are not in a crisis mode is to interview firms, find a firm that you feel comfortable with, let them get to know your company, explain your business. They will then understand. And that's where they can help you create what these things that we call holding statements which are basically where in advance, the CRT is going to brainstorm what are the types of crises that our company might face. Um, obviously in, in the construction industry, construction is one of the most dangerous professions. So you're gonna wanna plan for an accident or an injury. But even if you're a company, you might have an employee who gets killed. I have a friend, her husband's, um, her husband's company just had a, an employee who died in a car accident. So you never know what is going to happen. Um, and so you just want to be prepared for it. So you come up with some standard statements. And um, I joke, even though they're very serious, I call them Mad Libs because you leave blanks sure. for the missing information. So you're going to leave blank um, because there are five things that the press wants to know about. They want to know what happened, you know, who, what, when, where, um, what are you doing about it? And so you create the statement and leave those blanks so that after the crisis, you can quickly fill it in, run it by your legal and get the statement out. You're not sitting there in the middle of a crisis trying to draft a statement. So these are all things that go into the crisis communications plan so that you are prepared. And nowadays with the cloud, it's very easy to have it accessible to people no matter where they are. Um, in the old days, you had the big three ring binder that sat on the shelf and got dusty and nobody knew where it was. Mm -hmm. um, the shorter the plan, the better. And then I always recommend that clients meet at least once or twice a year, more if you're a bigger company, um, mm -hmm. to run through it together, make any updates that are necessary. Obviously, keeping the contact information as up to date as possible because people do come and go from a company. Uh, those are the important things that you really need to do with a crisis communications plan. But it's basically just telling everyone, this is your role and this is what you are supposed to do so they don't have to stop and think when a crisis hits. You, you and I met when uh, you attended a course that I was teaching on cyber response. It was uh, cyber crisis management. 
and we ran through a scenario together and, and you saw some of the templates that I had put together. And one of them, it even has a blank in there that says company CEO, so-and-so says, and then what, then you go get a quote at the time. Yeah. Uh, again, be as prepared as possible, have as much structure in that template as possible, and then just fill in the gaps. Well, I think in that class, we put together all of the statements that we ever needed in like 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 It, it makes it very quick. And that's the main reason why you want marketing and communications involved because they are used to drafting press releases and, and all that type of stuff. So they could even come up with a quote in advance again with just the blanks about what happened and when it happened. Um, you know, because it, it's really, you're just trying to quickly summarize what happened. And a lot of times, um, you know, I keep going back to the construction things, but when that happens, you don't know what happened and you can't, you don't want to speculate about it. So it's just, this is what we know right now. As we know more, we will update you. And then you provide those updates going down the road. Um, but you don't want to speculate. Um, and by trying to remember the five W's, um, sometimes I even just write that out on a piece of paper and that becomes the start of the holding statement. You've uh, used a couple of phrases here, and I'm going to get some clarification, and then I have a follow-up. You've talked about a holding statement. You've talked about a press release. Those are two different things. Correct. Talk about the difference between those two documents. So you, so press releases are what we put out on a regular basis with the positive news that we're distributing about the company. However, in the event of a crisis, especially if you are a public company, you are going to have to put out a press release about the situation. Um, so think about it like um, during the pandemic when Peloton had issues with delivery, when there was an issue where there was actually a child that was killed because it got caught under the treadmill. So when you're a public company, you, you have to communicate what is happening. And so they had to put out a press release about that and then what they were doing to modify the product to make sure that it doesn't happen again, et cetera, et cetera. And the, and the statement whole... is just something that is short and sweet at the beginning that you're giving to the press saying, yes, this happened. Here's what we know so far. As we get more information, we will let you know. So in a situation where there was a cyber attack, maybe there was a data breach, uh, the first statement would be, yes, we're aware of it. We're investigating it. And then future updates would be in the form of a press release. Yes. And or a statement, press release, because then you're going to reach your customers and it also gets posted to social media and your website. The statements are the ones that tend to go directly to the press that are shorter to answer their questions in the at the beginning of the crisis, because that's when they're they're kind of hot and heavy covering the news. So I've talked to people who have said to me, it's 2023, the press release is dead. And I don't think you agree with that. So yeah, okay, I'm going to challenge you here a little bit. Are you just, you know, digging your heels in here? Are you being stubborn? Are are we going old school? Or tell me why you think the press release is still a valid and viable tool for 2023. So um, I think the, the number one reason is something called SEO, which stands for search engine optimization. So nowadays, everybody goes to some search engine, whether it's Google or Microsoft or, you know, Bing or whatever it is, and they plug in a term to look for something. So if your company has been involved with a crisis and somebody Googles your company, that crisis is going to come up at the top of the list. Yeah. 
And so, um, so I look at press releases as a way of quickly disseminating information to as many people as possible. And what we do is we use something that's called a wire service. So I actually currently use something called Access Wire. And wire services were created because public companies in the United States are mandated by the SEC to do something called minimum disclosure to avoid giving preference to anyone having information before somebody else because it could affect the stock price. So these are used to disseminate information far and wide. And so we have started using them in public relations, even for non-public companies, because it allows us to get information out to a very large audience, all the same information at the same time. So I had a situation where um, a construction company had a fatality and they hired me a month or so later because there had been a very negative article in a local paper because the worker had been local. They were from out of town. And every time someone Googled their company, this was the very first article at the top of the news section. Sure. And so we, um, I First of all, I was working with the publication, trying to get them to at least interview my client, modify what they were saying. They were kind of stuck in their story. They didn't want to hear the other side of the story. And so one thing that we did was we put out um, two to three press releases a week for two to three weeks. And we were able to move that negative article to page two of the Google search results. So that way, when somebody went to Google the company, Sure, if they went to page two, they were going to see this. And it wasn't like we were trying to hide it, but it was just that was the first thing that came up. And so you can use that as a way to kind of push the negative news off the first page. But the main thing about press releases is they are a way to communicate the same information to a large audience. I said sure a minute ago, like I knew what you were talking about. And and that's only because you and I have, have prepared for this a little bit. But what you're describing here is we are, and this is not going to be the most favorable way to say it, and I apologize for that, but in a way, we are flooding the search engines with new positive messages that is just pushing down those negative stories chronologically so that when someone does that search, it's not front and center. It's now way downstream. Correct. Yeah, that's interesting. Um. I had something that I wanted to talk to you about, but I see that we've run out of time. And I think maybe the best thing for this would be to have you back. But let me just tease it. And you can talk a little bit about this because we didn't get to talk enough about social media. We started to get into it a little bit here with the SEO stuff, but I'd like to ask you for some advice, maybe something you would say to your client, if someone is trolling them on social media. Uh, is that something we just ignore? Do we respond? What's your advice there? Yeah, social media, as, as we've talked about, could be an entire podcast all on its own because it is very, very complex. The first thing I will say is that everyone who has a social media account or accounts should be monitoring. And there are packages out there. There are resources out there that will listen to social media and let you know what is being said, whether it's positive or negative. And everyone should should be doing that, whether it's just a person in your firm or you're using a software or whatever, because you have to know what's being said. Mm. If it is a true troll, someone that you can tell is just negative, is not listening to reason or anything like that, 
my advice is to try to get them offline into a conversation as quickly as possible. So you want to be able to um, respond to their posts. And some of the um, some of the companies, like I'm, I'm going back to Peloton because that was so big during the pandemic. And so people were really ranting and raving about the fact that they were having to wait six to 10 months for this Peloton treadmill that they just spent you know, $4,000 on. And their team did a really good job of saying, we, we understand your frustration. You know, we're, we're working really hard to fix the supply chain issues. Uh, and then they said, please DM us and let us have a conversation with you offline. Mm-hmm. We will check the status of your, your treadmill. We will try to come up with an alternate for you, whatever, you know, without promising too much. But they were acknowledging it because a lot of times people go to social media just to vent because they're frustrated right. and they don't know what else to do. So if you acknowledge their frustration and you acknowledge what they are feeling and then invite them to have an offline conversation with you, that can be very effective. Now, there are some people that are not there to be rational. They do not want to reason be reasoned with. They don't want to have a conversation with you. They just want to throw Molotov cocktails online. Those people, you might just have to shut down. And and I feel like that there's a, a lot of those in your right. So we could we will have a separate uh, podcast episode on social media. Uh, I'll invite you now to come back. Maybe we'll do that in the summer or something like that. And uh, that sounds like that'll be a fun one. I look forward to that one as well. Susan, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So um, my email is susan at rhinopr.com. My website is rhinopr.com. I'm on LinkedIn. And um, please feel free to reach out if you ever have any questions. Uh, I'm happy to answer them as best I can. Good stuff. Susan, thanks for doing this. The time flew by. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Susan Shelby for joining me on the podcast this week. Interesting conversation about public relations and crisis comms. Good stuff, as always, from Susan. Big thanks to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the Resilient Journey. We have some big announcements coming up about the Think Tank, so pay attention and stay tuned for that. Next week, we have an interesting conversation with a guest as we talk about ways to transform the perception of resilience and continuity with your business stakeholders. So join us, won't you, as we continue our Resilient Journey.